Hey everyone, and thank you for listening again. If this is your first time here, my name is Jordan, and this is Searching Scripture. Uh, If this is not your first time here, then I just want to thank you for coming back and listening. I know you have hundreds, if not thousands, of other podcasts that you can be listening to, so I appreciate that you are choosing to listen to this one. Um, uh, On my last two episodes, I covered some questions like, can we lose our salvation, Uh, and tithing for today's Christians. Um, But today, I'm attempting to talk about who I feel is one of the more overlooked of the Godhead 3-in-1, and that is the Holy Spirit. Um, To fully cover a topic like the Holy Spirit, it could easily take two or three episodes, so I'm going to do my best to go over some of the main points um, that I can cover, but I certainly am going to end out leaving uh, a bunch of stuff out, okay? Uh, Towards the end of this episode, I will tell you my thought about the unforgivable sin, which is blaspheming the Holy Spirit, as well as my personal life experience uh, of the Holy Spirit at work. Um, So jumping right in, um, I just want to say this. Would it surprise you if I told you that the Holy Spirit is every bit as equal as God the Father? Or that uh, there's nothing God can do that the Holy Spirit cannot do. Um, well, it's, it's all true. The Holy Spirit is co-equal and coexists with both God the Father and God the Son. Um, so let's start out with who is the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a person, actually. Um, Jesus never referred to him as it. Uh, he's not just something, and he's not a force that God, the Father, and Jesus produce, okay? When I was still growing as a Christian, I used to think that the Holy Spirit was indeed some kind of force, I guess you could say, um, that was produced by Jesus, kind of like some sort of Harry Potter kind of magical power. Um, Now, I tell you this because there's so much for us to learn, and I don't want anyone listening to think that, you know, I have all this knowledge of scripture and that I seem to have all the answers because the truth is I spend hours researching, watching videos, reading scripture, and just making notes for each episode that I make. Um, The entire reason I even did Once Saved, Always Saved was to prove to myself that I actually am saved. Um, So, you know, these episodes are every bit for my learning and understanding uh, as they are intended for yours. So just never feel embarrassed to ask questions or let people know, hey, I don't have all the answers or I don't always have all the answers um, because, you know, it's important for people to not feel like, um, you know, you're on this other level and that they can't ask or might be embarrassed to ask or have conversation. Um, Okay, so back to the Holy Spirit. Um, We know that the Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, The Bible uses characteristics of that of a person to describe the Holy Spirit. Things like he speaks, uh, he testifies, he commands, he guides, he can be lied to, he can be insulted, Uh, He can be blasphemed, and he can grieve. 
Um, On top of all of this, we see in scripture that he's not only a person, but he is God. Um, His attributes uh, in the Bible describe him in these ways. In Hebrews, it says he's eternal. In Luke, uh, it says he's all-powerful. 1 Corinthians says he's all-knowing. Acts, he's called God. Um, And Psalm says he is omnipresent meaning everywhere all the time. Um, For a long time, I struggled with like the idea of how can I picture God being everywhere all the time? Um, You know, obviously that's more than our brain can really handle. But my uncle gave me a great illustration about how God can be everywhere at once. Uh, He said, imagine you're out on a boat in the middle of the ocean with a five gallon bucket and you fill up that bucket with water from the ocean. And so now you have the ocean water inside your bucket, but then you drop that down into the ocean, completely submerging it, and that ocean water is still inside, but it's also completely surrounding the bucket. Um, It's all encompassing. Um, Another one was about how God is outside of time. Um, So imagine you are on this float in this long parade down a street. You can only see, you know, where your float is going. You know, you're moving in a forward direction. You can only see so much that's going on. But God is like, he's standing at the top of this, you know, skyscraper. And, you know, if he looks all the way to his right, he can see at the very beginning where it started. And if he looks all the way to his left, he can see, you know, the finish line Uh, where your flow is headed. So he's outside of time. He can see this whole pattern, this whole line uh, from beginning to end. And so that's how he can see, you know, everything in one time. He's outside of our restrictions. Um, So moving on, let's take a look at what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. Uh, In John 14, 25 through 26, it says, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you everything I have said to you. So one thing to keep in mind is that the Holy Spirit, uh, he is an encourager. He will never discourage you. Um, You know, yes, when you sin, he will reveal that sin to you, but he will show you what you should do about it. Any guilt or any shame that you ever feel, just understand that it does not come from God. Okay, Uh, let me ask you a question. You know, have you ever sinned and felt guilt or shame from it and thought to yourself that, you know, you were not worthy of asking God's forgiveness like right then? You just felt so bad about it that you felt like, somehow waiting until you're in a better headspace or have given it some time, you know, that would be better. I'll wait until that point. Um, Well, let me tell you right now that that is a lie, okay? And I used to tell myself that. Um, But that's exactly what Satan wants you to think. Satan hopes that you feel guilt or shame or embarrassment um, and that maybe by holding off from asking forgiveness, Uh, that could result in you forgetting altogether. So a rule that I kind of started trying to live by is if you commit a sin, 
um, that you're very well aware of, um, ask forgiveness before you leave that room or before you leave your vehicle. You know, let's say you're running late to work and uh, you exchange a few words with somebody on the freeway that's driving too slow. Um, You know, when you get to where you're going, before you get out, stop and just ask God for forgiveness um, about the way you acted or maybe some of the words you chose to use. So um, getting back to what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, um, John 14, 15 through 17 says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of the truth. Okay, just to clarify, the Spirit of the truth is the Holy Spirit. Um, Verse 17 goes on to say, The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Okay, so the first thing that I notice is it says the world cannot accept or basically receive him. And to me, this is because the world is just full of sinners. Uh, It's where we talk about worldly things. Um, So he cannot be received by just the world. Uh, He can only be received by children of God who accept him. Uh, The second thing is, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. So, you know, when we think about it, without Jesus, without the Holy Spirit here to take care of us and protect us and watch over us, um, you know, Christians would be left here alone like orphans. Um, When we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive everything that comes with a Father's love. Um, These things are like protection, guidance, inheritance, love, grace, and discipline. Um, I can tell you that, uh, that when you have a child and you become a parent, um, especially for me as a father, um, you really kind of see God's design on why he says what he does in the Bible. Um, you know, my love for my son uh, really just kind of shows that he can do the same thing over and over again, but I still love him and he's learning and he's growing. Um, And so I'm going to protect him and guide him and love him, but I'm going to discipline him uh, for his own good. And if God willing, leave him a good inheritance. Um, So it's really cool to see just how God uses uh, being a parent to how he is with us. And I love the verse that talks about, you know, if us sinners are able to give good gifts to our children, how much better can a perfect father give gifts to us? Okay, Um, so moving on, Jesus also tells us in John 16, 7, but very, very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So at this point, basically, we see that Jesus is saying, Hey, I've done all that I can do here. And because Jesus will forever be in man's body, um, he cannot be everywhere at once at that time. So this is why he says, It's for your benefit if I leave. 
because if I leave, I can send you the Holy Spirit who can dwell in all of you um, and everyone everywhere um, and remind them what he told him and continue to teach us forever. Uh, After Jesus was resurrected from the grave to prove he was not a spirit or a ghost, uh, he had told his disciples to physically touch him and uh, he even asked for something to eat. So many people don't realize this, but Jesus had actually spent 50 days on earth Uh, from the time he was resurrected from the grave until Pentecost. Uh, Pentecost was the day in when Jesus ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit descended into the disciples. So this event was where Jesus spoke uh, and said he uh, would have his father send the advocate or the great comforter. (coughs) Excuse me. So now... If you're anything like I was when I first started to learn about all this, I thought, boy, this was the Holy Spirit's grand entrance. Like, this was it. It was his first appearance in the world. Um, But, yeah, that's not exactly true. Um, In fact, not at all. The Holy Spirit was present through the entire Old Testament. Uh, If we jump all the way back to the beginning in Genesis... We see in Genesis 1.26, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image. So he says, us, speaking of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Um, Again, in Genesis 3.23, it says, And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. So, with these two verses, uh, and many others, we see that the Holy Spirit has been around since the creation of Earth, uh, and actually was a part of creation itself. And um, I don't mean that He was created, I mean He actually took part of creating the Earth, and the heavens, and the skies, and the stars. Um, So, one thing I learned during this research... Uh, that unlike today, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit could actually temporarily dwell in believers. We see in 1 Samuel 16, 14, that King Saul, who actually became wicked, uh, had the Holy Spirit leave him. It says, Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Also, we see in Psalms 51, we see David asking that God not take the Holy Spirit away from him. Uh, It says, Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Uh, The Holy Spirit had many roles in the Bible, and, and one of them was to give New Testament authors understanding of events Uh, that they might not otherwise have recorded. So imagine if you had to gather a group of people from an event that happened years ago and you had to go get them and have them all tell their story from their their own recollection. Um, You know, people don't remember everything clearly. So the Holy Spirit would actually 
make those events clear to the prophets, whether it was the past or in the future. Uh, 2 Peter 1, 20-21 says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we've talked about the Holy Spirit's presence, mostly in the Old Testament. Um, So let's look at what he does in our lives today. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit produces fruit in our lives, and this is found in Galatians 5.22. It says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Holy Spirit also draws the unbeliever to Christ. We see in John 6, 44, it says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on that last day. Um, Another cool thing that the Holy Spirit does is he helps the believer pray. In Romans 8.26, it says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. So the first thing I'll tell you what this is not, and it's not about speaking in tongues. You know, there's nothing in the New Testament describing speaking in tongues as groaning that cannot be expressed. Um, Besides that, it's the Spirit is praying for us, not us praying through the Spirit. Um, So the first thing that this could mean is that we're just literally too weak to pray. Um, Our lives have been hit hard and our spiritual life is weak. So the Holy Spirit is actually praying to God the Father for us on our behalf. Um, The second thing is it could be that when we don't know what to say, um, that he is translating how we feel to God in words that we cannot come up with. Um, A while back, my wife told me, um, I'm sorry, actually, I told my wife that uh, when I share the gospel with a friend who might need to hear it, um, I told her I always feel like I'm never going to say the right things or I'm going to flood them with information and just confuse them more. Um, But she told me something that was really cool. And she told me that when I speak, uh, the Holy Spirit could be interceding and essentially turning my speech into something that my friend could really comprehend. Um, I might think that I didn't connect with him at all, but maybe the Holy Spirit um, was able to kind of translate what I was saying and allow uh, them to hear what God wanted them to hear. Um, So, you know, the next time that you think your conversation with somebody just, it didn't go the way you wanted, um, just know that when God uses you to speak to others, he can have them hear what he needs them to hear. Um, You might even find that after talking with them, you feel really good 
and are proud of all the big things you were able to say, um, only to find out that down the road, it was this small insignificant thing that you felt um, that actually was what clicked with them and uh, kind of got them thinking. So never be too down on yourself when you reach out to somebody and just know that the Holy Spirit works in incredible ways. Uh, Okay, I want to cover two questions really quick. The first question is, when does the Holy Spirit enter our body? Uh, Some people will say that it's when you ask him into your heart, and other people have said that it can come into you uh, later on in life. Well, 1 Corinthians 12 through 13 tells us that we all get the same spirit, not that some do and some do not. Ephesians 1.13 tells us that it's from the time we hear the word and we believe in Christ and then we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Uh, lastly, Romans 8-9 through 9 says, uh, But you are not controlled by your sinful nature, you are controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. So that's pretty clear right there. Paul says you cannot have the spirit in you if you do not belong to Christ. So we cannot have a saved Christian receive the spirit at a later time in their life. Uh, Question number two is, what is the difference between indwelling of the Holy Spirit and filling of the Holy Spirit? Um, That one's pretty simple. Indwelling of the Holy Spirit is when the Holy Spirit comes and takes residence in you. Um, And then in Ephesians 5.18, Paul says, Don't be drunk with wine, because that'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul is telling us not to be controlled or under the influence of wine, but rather to be controlled or under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, A wise man had put it this way, When the Holy Spirit indwells in you, he is a resident. But when he fills you, he becomes the president. So this means he runs everything in your life, your thoughts, your words, everything that you do. Um, I've also heard some people ask that since the Holy Spirit is mentioned last in the Trinity, doesn't that imply that he is inferior to God the Father and God the Son? Um, The answer to that is the order doesn't imply rank, but rather function and chronology purposes. Uh, You first have God the Father, and then you have God the Son who comes down and becomes incarnate, meaning in human flesh or in human form. Then he died and rose again three days later. And 50 days from then, God sent down the Holy Spirit to live in us forever until the day we are raptured. Billy Graham says in his book, The Holy Spirit, uh, the Father is the source of all blessings, the Son is the channel of all blessings, and it is through the Holy Spirit at work in us that all truth becomes living and operative in our lives. Okay, they are a fully functioning trinity of equal importance. So we're getting to our final topic, and that is the unforgivable sin. Um, Maybe you've never even heard of such a thing, 
but uh, I'm going to tell you what I believe as well as many other scholars believe to be true about this sin. So we'll start by taking a look at the verse spoken by Jesus in Matthew 12:30. It says, So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or the world to come. Let's just pause for a second, um, because some of you listening might think, uh, hold on, you're telling me that there is a sin that Jesus himself said could never be forgiven? You know, could I have committed this sin? Um, So this is where we need to remember one of the biggest things when it comes to reading scripture, which is context. Uh, Who was Jesus talking to? What did he say or what did he not say? And what does this mean for believers today? Um, So first, we have that Jesus was talking to non-believing Pharisees. If we look back in verses 9 through 14, we see that Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees get really upset about that. And so they plan on uh, a meeting to kill Jesus. Verses 22 through 24, those same Pharisees see him heal another man, and this time they say he's doing his power through Satan. So let's go back to our original verse and expand back a little in Matthew 12:30. It says, Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. Anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. So again, context is so important. Um, Jesus is talking to a bunch of non-believing Pharisees who are, one, ready to kill him, two, working against him, and three, claiming he gets his power from Satan. So he is addressing non-believers, not believers. So what Jesus did say in 1231 is that every sin that we can commit can be forgiven including blasphemy against the Son of Man. We see this as fact in Timothy 1.14, where Paul says he was once a blasphemer, but was shown mercy because he did it out of ignorance and unbelief. Now, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is the unforgivable sin, not murder, not adultery, not suicide. If suicide was indeed an unforgivable sin, then Jesus would have mentioned that here. So to wrap up, I'll say, you know, that many scholars as well as myself believe that this context is about a group of unbelieving people who are attributing his ability to heal uh, and his work of that of Satan. Uh, We know that during Jesus's ministry, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit So they're basically rejecting the power of the Holy Spirit working through Jesus. And by that, they are rejecting Jesus and his invitation to accept the Holy Spirit and accept Jesus as Lord. Uh, I can further base those thoughts off of Mark 3, 28 through 30, where, you know, he basically says that's what it was. Uh, The same event he writes about, it says, 
I tell you the truth, uh, all blasphemy can be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This is a sin with eternal consequences. And now Mark speaks and says, he told them this because they were saying he has an unclean spirit. So that's my understanding, uh, as well as many other scholars, that it's not essentially that Christians can blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that by blaspheming the Holy Spirit, you're basically rejecting him. And when you're rejecting him, you're rejecting Christ, uh, and that is why it's unforgivable. Uh, You cannot be saved if you reject Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Uh, I want to do something here. I want to challenge all of you listening that at the end of this episode, take 60 seconds to just pause what you're doing and take in the work of the Holy Spirit in your lives. Thank Him for convicting you of your sins. Thank Him for guiding you in your daily decisions. You know, when was the last time you prayed directly to the Holy Spirit, if ever? Um, It's only been recent for me that I've kind of actually thought about praying to Him directly. That was kind of a new idea. Um, And you know, it's perfectly fine to pray directly to God the Father, or to God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit. When I found out that the Holy Spirit was not just some magical force I had inside of me, um, that He was actually a person, and that it was God Himself, I found this new respect for Him that I never had before. I think to myself, what a blessing our Father has sent us this great Comforter, the same Spirit that empowered our very own Savior during His ministry, the same Spirit that created the earth, It's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That is the spirit that we have inside of us. I went through this phase after reading a book about how we can become disciples for Jesus. And man, I tell you, I was pumped. After I read that book, I thought to myself, boy, I got to get out there and save everyone. But you know what I learned? That it's not our job to save people that it's the Holy, jo- the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to share the gospel, plant the seed in somebody's life so that maybe someone else in their life can water that seed. Whether you're the individual who plants the seed or waters it, um, you're being effective in their life. I want to share an example that I felt was the Holy Spirit working in my life as well as a friend I had. When I was 15, I started a summer baseball league. Uh, If I remember correctly, I believe that I was the youngest to ever play for the Medford Mustangs. Um, I can remember my parents arguing about whether I should actually play. Uh, My mom was very concerned about my innocence. Um, I was only 15, and uh, there were a bunch of guys on the team that were seniors in high school, uh, even... uh, old as freshmen in college. So uh, she was concerned about traveling and being on the road with them. Um, But eventually my dad was able to convince her to let me play and um, it was one of the greatest times of my life. Uh, My coach for the team was Coach Kensinger or Coach K is what we call him. Uh, Coach K was a savage. Um, He was not afraid to speak his mind. He would cuss like a sailor. 
He'd steal dip out of players' bags, but he was possibly one of the best coaches I've ever had. Um, One day, years after I'd finished my four seasons with him, he stopped by my home to give me and my wife our wedding present. Um, He called me and asked when he could come by. He was so proud of this gift um, that he wanted to give me, so it was kind of cool to see him be so excited about this. Uh, While he was over, he started asking some questions about God and about the Bible and essentially was just trying to find truth. My wife and I had a library, basically, of Christian books. Uh, It was right there in the living room, so I'm sure he kind of saw how much we were reading. And we gave him one to take home that we thought would help him with some answers. Um, And not too long after that, we had discovered that he became really sick and eventually passed away. During his funeral, the pastor had mentioned that Coach K had took some time to come around, but in his final days, he had indeed found the Lord. Um, so when I was sitting there and I heard that, I thought, man, what a blessing to hear that he'd actually gone from just his questions to actually putting his faith in Christ. Um, so that was pretty exciting and unexpected for me to hear that day. Uh, I'm not going to say that the day he came to my home and the reason that Coach K opened up to me and and asking questions was because he saw how I lived my life while I was playing for him uh, and the years after. But honestly, I feel like it could be. You know, I mean, at least I kind of would like to think that it is. You know, Coach K knew that I was a Christian. I think it was clear to most people in my summer league team. I didn't go to parties. I didn't sneak out of hotels. Uh, I was never in trouble. And honestly, I was actually called Virgin Lou as my nickname. So to this day, I think about that. And I also think about our wedding. Um, Our wedding was one of the most incredible and God-present days I've ever had in my life. You know, we welcome God that day to see us get married, for us to take our vows with him at the center. You know, we had a lot of good Christian people there that day, uh, praying and uh, praising the Lord. So, you know, I can't tell you how many people told us after the wedding, including the DJ and Coach K, that our wedding was maybe one of the best they'd ever been to. Uh, My father-in-law, who married us, said that Coach K couldn't stop talking about just how great of a time he'd had, and he could tell that we were all God-loving people. And, you know, to me, that was the Holy Spirit working there. These are things that set us apart from the world. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit and He's present, you know, we can be the light in the darkness that unbelievers are drawn to. That's something that I just want everyone to keep in mind. Just know that the Holy Spirit is working in your life, that he's trying to draw the unbelievers to his presence. So don't be afraid to talk to somebody um, that you think might need to hear this. You know, you don't have to pressure them, but just know that a little conversation, you just don't know how it can be received and how the Holy Spirit could be working in their life you know, drawing you to them or drawing them to you, 
because maybe they feel like they're missing something. And a little conversation could spark something and then that could eventually lead to them being saved. Um, Well, so I think that's going to wrap up this episode. I do appreciate all of you listening. Please click the follow button on whatever streaming site you're watching from so that you can easily see when I add my next uh, episodes. So thanks again for listening. I'll catch you next time.